Welcome back to the Ikario podcast. Over here, we talk about things that you don't yet know are important to you and why they matter. For example, do you keep scrolling? Do you want to stop scrolling? Do you wish you could stop scrolling? Are TikTok thoughts just a little too tempting? Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> but anyways, the reason I'm talking about that is because... What is this called, Shane? Well, what I want to talk about is the consumer versus the creator mindset, really. And what you were just alluding to is, obviously, we're all consumers, very much so, maybe more so than ever. Right. And I think there's a huge opportunity here. There's a huge opportunity because, as you know, listeners know, I'm, I'm a, one of the ways I think about the world is, is like we are shaped by our environment. And right now we live in an environment that's very much shaping consumer behavior. And I say more so than ever because obviously there's always been the drive to consumption, right? Like we live in a capitalist society. So there's always the, the world around us is always trying to get us to consume stuff. That's been the case for many, that's right. been the case for a long time. It's a requirement. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a requirement for the system to keep running. But what has changed is that we are now, because, because it has been digitalized, we're now able to consume almost nonstop. Yeah. So if you think, you know, 50 years ago, it's like the consumption happens occasionally. Okay. So you, you know, maybe you go to the shop and you buy something. Right. right. <laughs> But it's not happening constantly, and then and then you know maybe the and well then the TV comes along at some point and that increases the amount of consumption you can do because you can do it at home and somewhat passively. Right. And then eventually the smartphone comes along and now you can do it anytime, anywhere you are. Right. So it's like the amount of consumption you can do is expanding into every corner of your life. And. And okay, in general, that's not a great thing. Obviously, if you're just like a consumer drone, that's not great for you as a human being and for living a good life. Right. But the reason I say there's a huge opportunity here is because we are in this um, environment where everybody's being turned into a consumer in, in such extreme ways. It's creeping into every corner of our lives. It is affecting the way your mind works. It's affecting the, the way you see the world. And... Because that's becoming the norm, there's such a big opportunity in just not being one of them. And so think about the, the second order effects this has on how your mind develops as a human being, right? So if you go with the flow and you are someone who scrolls through TikTok and Instagram and all this other stuff all day, and if you're in consumption mode all day, then that changes your brain. It changes the way your mind works and it changes your mental capabilities, Probably not in a very good way. Right. Or easy to imagine, right? And by opting out of that or by choosing differently, you can now quite easily separate yourself from the pack. And I see this. I, I also, the reason actually that I started taking notes for this episode, it's not some abstract thing. It is it's something I observe in people in real life because it's more than just a waste of time. You know, when we talked about TJ, he was talking about screen time and, you know, young people with like whatever, 17 hours of screen time a day and stuff like that, right? Which just kind of shows the intensity of the problem. And obviously a surface level problem here is it's a waste of time. Right. You're, you're spending your life uh, scrolling through various feeds, which is probably not the life you want to live. You know, if you think about it, what do I want to do with my life? If I want to look back 10 years from now, 
you know, do I want to look back at 10 uh, at 17 hours of screen time a day for 10 years? Probably not, right? It's right. no one's dream life. So it's a waste of a waste of time, it's a waste of life. But then the second order effect is what does it do to your mind and your attitude and how you show up in the world? And this is why I said before, you know, it's consumer versus creator mindset, not just action, not just behavior. It's it's a certain mindset and attitude. So that's what I want to get into today. Uh, to start out with, I think that as a very simple way to think about this, think of it like a balance between consuming and creating. Those would be like the two sides. Right. You have consumption and you have creation. And in general, for, for you know, for better mental health, if you if you want to feel better about yourself and you you want to feel more engaged in life and probably get better results in life, look at that balance. How you know how much time are you spending consuming? How much time are you spending creating? And if you just tip that towards the creation side, that would be the simplest thing to do. Just how can I spend more time creating? Um, and I think that anything less than 50-50, so if, it's, if you're spending more than 50% of your time consuming versus creating, it's probably going to cause problems that you notice in some way, right? It's like you're going to be unsatisfied, you're going to feel directionless in life, this kind of stuff. And, and some of those problems will probably go away if you just make sure that at least half the time you are creating. Okay. So just to, I'm trying to uh, ground this into reality for myself, right? Like how I would uh, kind of turn this into an analogy, at least for myself. So it's like if you're awake 16 hours a day, you're at work for eight and then you're chilling for the other eight kind of like, is that kind of what you mean? Like you're proactively doing something? Well, it, that really depends on what you do at work because right. in, the, in the simplest of terms. I yeah. Mean, yeah. So I, I would say that because look, the reality is that a lot of people, maybe you're spending eight hours a day working or eight hours a day studying or something, but how much of that time are you on your phone too? Right. Or again, be, like basically doing something relatively passive, doing something, uh, that's that's more consumery, or that's not creatively challenging, right? So I think if we talk about if we talk about it in the sense of like eight hours of sleep, eight hours of work, eight hours of free time, let's focus on the eight hours of free time. How do you spend that? Okay, because there the the risk is that you're spending most or all of it just consuming, and what I'm saying is like. If you could spend four hours creating, four hours consuming, you'd already be way, way better off. Now, any I think any form of create, any form of creating is good for you, uh, or better for you than consuming. So even if you're on social media, like if you're posting on social media, that comes with its whole own set of problems, right? Because then now you're you're hooking yourself into this machine that that you know makes you validation seeking and. You're starting to connect your self-worth to how many likes you get and all this shit, right? Mm. <laughs> like, there's loads of problems with that, but I think you're better off being a creator in that machine than just being a consumer in that machine, right? Because at least it, it activates a whole different part of your brain if you have to think about, oh, but if I, what if I post something? How do I make a video that whatever, right? That's already better. But even better is if you can do... Um, creative i mean and this is true for both sides right if you can do creative work and and consumption outside of algorithmic engagement optimized feeds that's going to be better for you right because simply like and i've said this many times before but it bears repeating we have to simply be aware 
that this is an addiction machine. Everything with a feed is basically an addiction machine. And that's not an exaggeration. I'm not being overly dramatic. That's what it's programmed to do. Every social media app, every every one of these things, its job, like it, there's there's this whole algorithm, this whole machinery behind it. Its job is to get you to spend more time there, okay? And it's called engagement or whatever, but this is addiction, right? The, the, the goal is get you to spend more time on this app. That's it. And it's just, like I said, this is not an exaggeration, right? There is absolutely no element to the programming of an algorithm like that, that takes into account your happiness, your well-being, anything like that, your health. It, right? You can go through the fucking code. It's not there, right? There's right. not a line that says, oh, by the way, here's the thing about health. No, yeah. it's about engagement optimization. How do we get people to spend more time on this thing? That's the only objective. So it's an addiction machine, which means that there's this external influence that doesn't have your best interests, that, that, that doesn't have any relation to your best interests, and it's trying to manipulate you. And any consumption or creation you do outside of that is better than any, any of it you do inside of it. So if you, you know, sit down and read a book, especially if it's a real book, so it's not connected to the internet or anything, that's a completely different situation because sure, the author also wants you to keep reading, but it's not a massive data machine right. that is watching your every move and making sure you stay engaged, right? Right. So it's a completely different situation. And the same is, so, you know, for me, for me personally, a lot of the creative work I do is never published anywhere. And so, so that I'm doing it unhooked from this social media stuff. So one of the things I do occasionally is a bit of photography, but I, I don't post it online, right? So I'm not thinking, oh, how do I take a picture that gets many likes or whatever? Right, I'm right. just doing the creative work, right? Yeah. It also makes you a more interesting person when someone finds that out about you. <laughs> right. Right? It's like, oh man, you should probably post that or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So, but again, that's, that's just a deliberate choice I make. I want to work outside of the addiction machine more than inside of it. Right. Um, but again, the, the idea is any creation you do is probably going to be better for you and creation and consumption you do outside of the addiction machine is going to probably be better for your mental health than not. So, but then from that, you know, let's go, let's go a level deeper because a problem I see, and this is more of a long-term problem, is the attitude that it creates where you basically have a consumer mindset or a consumer attitude to life in general. And this, I think, is very disempowering. So to give you a simple example, and we can run through several examples of how we can see this. But to give you a simple example is when it comes to health. We are given, or we're su what's suggested to us is also like a consumer attitude to health, which is to say that if I have a problem, I go to the doctor, I go to an external source, right? I go to some expert, I complain about the problem, I'm given a pill or something, you know, and I consume the solution, I wait for things to get better. Right. right. And that's the consumer um, approach. Approach. Yeah. And sometimes that is that is the best approach you have. Oh, you have, you know, some kind of a bacterial infection. It's like, sure, here's the thing, the antibiotic that's gonna get rid of these bacteria. You know, what else do you want, right? It's like in that case, that is the best solution. Yeah. yeah. So so then and of course. Basically, that's that's the best you can do is take the pill, wait, <laughs> and then you'll be better. Right. So sometimes that's perfectly fine, but I think with with many in many cases, 
that is not a great approach. And so my my recent or my current experience with this, right, as I, I broke a bone, um, pretty severely damaged my my shoulder. And here you notice this, the consumer approach to health really doesn't take you very far there. Because, okay, initially, obviously, you go to a doctor, they, they do the scans, they do all this stuff, they say, okay, you have to wait for the bone to heal. But at some point, if all you do is, okay, I go to the physiotherapist once a week, he does a few things, right, a bit of massage, a bit of movement, whatever, and then I just do nothing until the next wait session. Wait for the next session, yeah. yeah. That's going to take forever. And, you know, you'll also notice in healthcare, this is something I noticed, you will often be given very um, pessimistic predictions, you know, where you have some problem. I had that when I was much younger with my knee, for example, right? I had an injury on my knee and the doctors and the physios told me at the time, listen, you know, this is, this is basically never going to go back to normal, right? Like the, you're always going to have some problems here and you'll never be able to like lift heavy weights again or anything like that, right? You just have to live with this now. This is 100% untrue, right? This I had this injury when I was 16 hmm. and it took maybe three years or so for this to just go completely back to baseline. I, there's no difference I feel in the performance or stability or anything between my two knees, right? Right. But so why do they say this? Why would, why would your healthcare provider say this is never gonna get better? Because if you approach this as a consumer, right? And you do the, the bare minimum, and you don't take any responsibility for it, essentially, that's probably what's gonna happen, right? I'd probably still be walking with a limp or God knows what, right? Mm. The reason it is, it's not like that for me is because I took my recovery into my own hands. And I did a lot of stuff, I did a lot of stretching, I did a lot of, and I did a lot of training, and I, I put in a lot of work to strengthen everything around this joint and basically make this go back. Uh, to a better state. And especially with physical recovery, I've also, and this is also part of the consumer versus creator, right? Instead of just going, okay, whatever the doctor told me one thing, that's it. I've been doing research, I've been trying to learn about what is, you know, how does the body recover from injury? How does this stuff work, right? And one of the things, one of the themes I've seen in people who specialize in this kind of recovery is, there's a lot of like, look, the body needs movement in order to, for the recovery process to be accelerated. Like you need blood flow. You need also like the challenge, right? You have to keep pushing essentially the limits. So instead of just saying, oh, I have to protect this. So I'm, I'm not going to train this arm anymore. And I'm not going to do this movement because it's a bit uncomfortable and so on. You're really taking away the body's ability to heal itself. But if you go, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna massage, I'm gonna stretch, I'm gonna move, I'm gonna train, I'm gonna keep challenging this. It's almost like you're sending the body a signal like this is important. You're constantly increasing the blood flow in this region hmm. and that helps recovery. But that is something that no one else can do that for you, right? So there's, there's part of the, the therapy and the recovery that other people can do for you. It's like, okay, I can lie there and someone can massage it for me or something. But this part of actually actively using the joint, actively seeking the, the limits of my, of my movement, figuring out what kind of movements can I do, stressing it and so on, I can only do that myself, right? And I have to also have that, like this self-responsibility of, I have to find the limits. I have to find the limit there between what is a, enough challenge to stimulate growth and to stimulate healing, but not too much to make the situation worse, right? And it kind of makes sense that from, 
from a healthcare provider perspective, they would rather tell you, oh, just do nothing. Just do nothing. Because if we don't want you to get hurt more and whatever, you know, just rest mm -hmm. and, and deal with the fact that your shoulder's just never going to be fine, right? So, and that's just an example of the, the difference between being a consumer. I think if you come into this kind of healing as a pure consumer, you're going to have a way worse outcome than if you come at it with a creator mindset, which being like, I'm the creator of my own outcome here. And these people are here to help me. It's great. We have specialists and doctors and so on. They're here to help me. But I am the creator. I am responsible for the outcome I end up getting. Okay, good point. So it's almost like they are in the business of prescribing treatments, right? That they, that they can, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess, facilitate, right? Yeah. So if they tell you like, oh, you start moving your hand or whatever, and you're like, oh, I can finally move my arm, like, Tsh ah, yeah. And it's like, oh, the doctor told me to do it, right? So there's that level <laughs> exactly, of exactly. accountability as well. I think I think that's a big part, right? And also, I think that, and this is just with health outcomes and health studies and so on. You have to keep in mind, like, when someone tells you something like what what to expect, they're generally talking about averages, and the average person is extremely unhealthy. Okay, hmm. so. So this is simply, you know, and also I'm not blaming them and it really depends on who you work with as well, right? So right. You, can, you can work with one physio physiotherapist that's, that's amazing, that's some kind of a genius and another one who's just like your average physiotherapist and you might get totally different results. But again, do you, are you taking responsibility? Do you keep looking for um, someone else to come someone save until you essentially? You, yeah, you know, do you take responsibility of finding someone who actually knows what they're doing or do you just go with the first ones like, oh, whatever, right? <laughs> You know, the experience you're, you're describing, I think most people have had this experience with therapists. Mm. Like almost everyone I've spoken to who has worked with a therapist, everyone's experience is, oh, it took me so long to find one that, that actually yeah. works, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I guess that's like an analogy, right? Yeah. And, and, and again, it's like you have to, there's a self-responsibility part there. And and yeah, like I said, I'm not you know I'm not here to like rant about the whatever the our medical system, medical or, system yeah. or anything like that because again I understand where they're coming from. I understand that most of their clients or most of their patients are average by by definition. They're average, and the average person is very unhealthy, and the average person doesn't have an exercise habit. The average person isn't going to spend hours and hours researching this stuff and trying to figure out how do I aid my own recovery process. Right, and so that's that's where they are setting their expectations right so yeah. that makes sense and there's a deeper problem here right because like the social conditioning that's what's coming to mind but mm. like the i guess the expectation is that oh if something happens to me i must go to the doctor who tells me how to fix it right like, yeah, yeah you're never actually told that you can take a proactive role in this and when you do you're kind of like, there is pushback, like, oh, don't do that. You might hurt yourself. Exactly. And so I recently read the book Cured by Jeffrey Rediger or Redinger. And this is a book about, basically, this. he's a doctor who studied people who healed from stuff that they weren't supposed to heal from. So like terminal cancer and things like that. Right. It was like, hey, this happens often enough that we should look into this, right? And, and he basically tries to make a case for, well, here are some commonalities of people who have spontaneous remissions of stuff that should have killed them. And one of the big ones is taking responsibility for your own healing process. That is a huge mm. factor. So 
it turns out that obviously, right, it's not a guarantee. It doesn't mean that taking responsibility for our own healing is going to always lead to a miraculous healing. But what seems to never happen is that someone gets a cancer diagnosis and, and they kind of just go, oh, save me. Right. right. And I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go with the flow. I'm just gonna do what people tell me. I'm, and I'm just gonna hope for the best. And that that basically never leads to a spontaneous remission. What leads to what what you have to do to give yourself a chance of this kind of un like outlier healing is you have to take responsibility. You have to say, I'm somehow involved in this healing process. And again, all of this is to say this is not a consumer mindset. You're not just consuming healing. You're doing the healing, right? right? That is the that's the key difference, and so that's I think that, that's basically one way to illustrate this. That's what I mean when I say it's it's about a mindset. It's about how you show up in the world. It's not just about what you do, right? Now, it's also, and I think this this goes for for lots of things. I mean, this is something I see when I do physical training with people. This is something I always see, where you know, are you? Are you training in a way where you're consuming? You can, because you can be doing exercise and training in a consumer mindset where you right. say, I want the instructor to tell me what to do. I want the trainer to tell me what to do. I want the program to tell me what to do. And I'm just going to do it. Worst case, you know, at the gym, like you're doing it half heartedly while listening to a podcast, like you're not really engaged in the exercise. It's almost like, you're dragging your body to the gym yeah. and making it do the thing, but you you don't you're not really there, right? Yeah, yeah. That's like the worst case where you're just consuming. Well, I'm doing this because the trainer told me to, whatever, right? Yeah. And even with things like you know, if some, maybe someone corrects your posture. It's like okay, well, I'm keeping my back straight here because someone told me to. I don't know why, right? Mm. <laughs> I'm just I'm just doing it because someone told me to. It's very different. That's like the consumer mindset in training, versus. Are you developing the essentially the physical knowledge with training? Where you are developing a sense of how does training work? What am I actually doing? What does my body feel like? What is the difference between, you know, like fully engaging my muscle on the full range of motion versus just like moving the bar up and down, right? Right. Developing that sense and developing the sense of, okay, if someone corrects your your form, well, what's different? How does this feel different if I keep my elbows in or flare them out or whatever it is? And the same with, you know, martial arts training where it's like, are you just, are you saying, hey, sensei, tell me the technique to do in this situation? Or are you developing it, the skill of understanding how to move your body, understanding how to move someone else's body and de developing the skill of responding to whatever happens? So again, you can be a consumer and just be like, teach me the technique, give me the program, correct my form. Or you can be, you can have an active, engaged, creative role in your own training. And I think the, again, the differences in outcomes there are absolutely massive. Okay, the, the person who half-assedly consumes a training program is never going to get the results that someone who's fully engaged is will get. Right. You just reminded me, like I've watched a few videos of athletes training. Sorry, and the intensity with which they attack right. like the same exercise is absolutely ridiculous, right? right? It's more than just, I'm picking up the weight right now. It's yeah. like, no, this weight, like I'm getting every single ounce out of my body, like of yeah. energy or whatever, right? Yeah. Into this yeah. one rep, and then I'm gonna do it like 400 <laughs> yeah. more times, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah, and and it's actually also interesting, right? It's like nobody, nobody will coast into um, 
a career as a professional athlete in consumer mode, that yeah. can only happen if you go, I'm going to make this happen, right? I'm not waiting for someone else to serve it to me. I'm going to make this happen. That's a requirement for that level of yeah. um, skill and, and uh, yeah. This reminds me of like one of your, the earlier concepts you had shared with us, right? Called the human zoo, right? Yeah. And the way it, I had finally understood it was that the incentives for creating the modern world are not human thriving. Yeah. It's making money, right? So I guess yeah. that's capitalism essentially. Basically, yeah. Right? So applying that to, you know, the addictive, addictive tech essentially, right? Like the reason, the reason why it's engagement optimized is that they can serve you more ads, which makes them more yeah. money. Exactly. Uh, and that's the unfortunate truth is that that is the, the revenue model that has won out. It didn't have to be that way, right? But that's the revenue model that ended up winning out essentially. And so that's why we're optimizing for engagement so we can serve ads and then we get paid for ad impressions. And again, it's like it's neutral in the sense that it's not an evil system. It's a system that just has absolutely no concern for your well-being. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I guess the voting process was fair, right? We just chose this. Well, no, we didn't. I don't know. We didn't choose this. We didn't choose this because this is, uh, this comes back to the idea that, you know, algorithms program people. You have to keep that in mind. So that's always the defense, you know, oh, teenagers are wasting 17 hours a day on TikTok. Well, it's because that's what they want. Oh, no, that's, that's not what they want. They've been programmed to want that, hmm. right? And, and this stuff is, it's, it's a little bit like saying, um, you know, you give someone heroin and now they're addicted to heroin and being like, well, they, they want heroin, right? That's, I'm just we'll giving them what they want. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not quite fair, right? Again, at this level of, um, the level of manipulation that we have, the level of power of manipulation that we have over, right. over people, you can't just say, this is what we voted for, yeah. this is what we chose. Yeah. Well, I guess what I was trying to say was whenever this was designed, the ad the ad supported free model was what was yeah. what we technically picked that's yeah. that's what yeah, i was yeah. trying to say i wasn't saying like oh yeah i see what you mean the yeah. facebook feed is there because i love it like no i don't love it yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so and again that that's why we end up here but even so even with so we've talked about like the examples of health and and um, exercise or, or fitness but even when it comes to consuming in the sense of like consuming information or consuming media, even there, you can have more, you can come at it as a pure consumer, as a zombie a little bit, or you can come at it as a creator. And the way I see that is, you know, there's a difference between just being fed stuff, being right. fed media, where you might even get the feeling of learning things. You're like, oh, I'm learning this new information and stuff, right? but you're actually not actively creatively engaging with the material you learn. And it is very, very shallow learning. So what would it mean to, to be in creator mode when you're learning? I think that first of all is, are you actively thinking about it? So I don't think you can ever learn anything if you're not pausing, right? If you, if you go, oh, but I have a, you know, whatever, my social feed is full of informational content, but you're just going from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, you're never pausing. You can't possibly be learning anything. 
Right. Learning requires that you take something in and then take time to sort out how does this fit into the stuff I already know. And you have to essentially evaluate it because not everything you learn is true, right? Mm, true. So you have to have this, this thing where you go, okay, here's a new piece of information. I have to fit this into the network of all the information I already have. And I have to figure out what to take and what to discard and how it fits in. So even just that, are you actively, deliberately thinking about the things you're learning or are you just jumping to the next thing? That's the difference already between consumer and creator mindset, right? Right. Then another, another big thing is like, okay, are you discussing these ideas? Are you debating these ideas with other people where you're not just constantly agreeing with each other ideally? Are you explaining things you learned to someone else, right? This is like the Feynman technique. If you can't explain something to someone in a simple way, you don't understand it yet. Right. Um, and you know, how much stuff that people consume, how much quote unquote informational content that people consume would pass that test. So, and then finally is also, yeah, are you ultimately like turning it into your own, whatever it is, are you writing about it, taking notes, making your own content about it? So that would be a creative engagement with information, which looks very different from just scrolling through a feed or just yeah, passively listening to a podcast while you're not really paying attention. There's so many ways in which you can give yourself the feeling of doing something productive with your time and learning something, but really you're just, you're just consuming. Yeah, you have the feeling like you're learning, right? Yeah. It's less guilt because like, oh, but it's like, you know, it's good for me or whatever. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. And on this, one of the things that, that this reminds me of is this concept of, okay, before I get there, mm. just taking the feed, for example, right? Mm -hmm. The digital feeds or any of the, any of the, any tech essentially. So if it, would it be fair to say if it's easy, it's almost not good for you more, most likely it's not good for you. Yeah, because basically learning or, or growing growth always comes with some kind of struggle, right? right. It growing always, pains. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and that is definitely true. I remember reading a study about learning, specifically, you know, learning information and skills, where they found that a key factor is frustration. So if you, and in fact, if you have a group of students or whatever, and you have a teacher who will always intervene when someone's frustrated, you know, if someone's like frustrated trying to work something out and they immediately jump in and explain it, that will actually make their learning worse. Because you have to let people struggle to understand things, struggle with the idea, struggle to solve the problem. That struggle is the learning. So it's just like in the gym, the, your muscles hurting when you're doing the last reps, that is training. Right. And if someone were to jump in every time your muscles start hurting a little bit and start assisting you, well, then you're not training anymore, right? Right. And so, yeah, I do think that's a good heuristic. That's a good like shortcut um, to think about. Like, look, if, you, if you're never struggling, if none of this is hard, then you're not really learning anything. And on that note, also, this is something I, I try to do. I try to consume information from sources where I get that experience of, I don't, I don't understand right mm. like i want to listen to a podcast for example um where the people are talking about stuff where i i'm not just going nodding oh yeah yeah that's so true that's so true i'm actually going 
what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> Every once in a while, I need to feel that. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not challenging myself enough to really learn. Right. Good point. Man, Yoja Bach, that guy. You, he did a TED Talk with TED Talk, sorry. He did a podcast with Lex Friedman. Yeah. So my friend shared it. He's like, try listening at 1.5 speed for like five minutes, right? Uh -huh. And I listen, I'm like, whoa, 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 hold up. <laughs> he just threw like a hundred new concepts at me. I had to rewind and listen slowly again. Yeah. yeah. I love those sort of people. But yeah, uh, I'll leave the link to that fantastic podcast. He's a computer scientist. But anyways, that's besides the point. So with the easy thing, the thing that came to mind, right? Like the concept I was trying to introduce earlier was from um, basically in marketing, right? The slippery slope or the slippery mm -hmm. slide, right? So essentially, if I want you to buy something from my app or my page or whatever, I'm going to make that process as frictionless and easy as possible, right? Totally, so the yeah. best uh, example of this is Amazon's one-click buy button, right? Mm -hmm. Buy now, one-click. Mm -hmm. And then you buy it and you're like, okay, oh, right, how much did I spend? Show me my invoice. You have to log in first. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, I have to log in to see how much I spend but not actually spend my money, right? Yeah. So, yeah, what I was getting at with that in the consumer and creator mode Consumption has been made so fucking easy because the outcome of that consumption, the end of that slide, is benefiting somebody else. Yes, it's someone else right? making money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that doesn't necessarily or at all in most cases coincide with your well-being. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So that's why being the creator is more difficult. If I sit down, like there's an excellent short you did trying the camel. Yeah. People love the camel online, <laughs> yeah, by the yeah. way. <laughs> the camel sucks, you know, sorry to break it to you. It does, yes. But that was part of my point, right? If I wanted to get good at drawing, camels and other things right i have to go through the frustrating process of wow i have no idea what i'm doing and of sucking at it right yeah, i have to go through the period of sucking at it there's, there's no way i can consume my way to that outcome right um and also you know to what you said like i think it's important to to differentiate and i also basically want to challenge people to think of this on a deeper level because it's not that everything that's easy or feels good is bad for you it's just that consumables like you say right the, it's going to be super easy and the reason it's easy is because at the end of it someone else is making money and again your well-being is either a secondary factor or is not a factor at all for them yeah yeah for them so they're going to make it as easy as possible for you to eat the proverbial candy all day long because money right yeah, of course now in your uh, but of course there are things i think a good life is involves intensity and rest and something like, um, you know, having a really tasty, I don't know, warm soup after working out in the cold all day is easy and pleasant and enjoyable, but it doesn't have to be bad for you, right? I'm right. not saying avoid all things that are pleasant, right? <laughs> and, and also, some, you know, sometimes outcomes are aligned with, or the incentives are aligned. So if I go to, I don't know, a spa, and I'm like, okay, I just want to book the most relaxing thing possible. It's like their incentives are aligned with mine. Right. I want to be super relaxed and I want to feel good. They want to make me super relaxed. And there's no conflict of interest there, yeah. you know. But that's that's only sometimes the case. Unfortunately, right. it's pretty rare, I think, that that's the case, right? Well, digitally, almost never. And digitally, right. basically never, yeah. Yeah, I can't think of an example 
Like even if like I don't know if this actually happens. I'm just using it as an example. Like Skillshare, if they yeah. were engagement optimizing, again they are not optimizing for you to learn more, right? They're optimizing yeah. for you to consume yeah. more. Yeah. And I have no idea if Skillshare does this. I'm just yeah. putting that out there. Yeah, yeah. I think you know maybe it's like maybe a meditation app or something. Maybe that's you know they want to get you to meditate more. You want to meditate more. To a certain degree, your incentives are aligned. Although I would say that at some point, if you always use the meditation app to meditate, you're limiting your own growth yeah. in meditation, right? Yeah, I, I, I fully fell for that with Headspace because mm. they show you the stupid stars, right? Oh, you meditate for one day, three days, five, right. and then eventually three, six, five. I'm like, oh, I have to do it. So <laughs> <laughs> that was that's the only reason I did used, it. Okay. That's why I did it. I wanted the star, you know? Wow. Okay. And also to see if I could do it or not. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and I think I, that, that's actually a good example. I think that these things can be great to guide you and to get you started. But meditation, the, think of the reasons someone gets into meditation. You cannot consume those outcomes. You cannot mm. consume those outcomes. Ultimately, you have to make that. You have to create that yourself. So, okay, um, let me see. Is there another example? So also, I just want to say, so we've run through a couple of examples and obviously simply doing creative work itself is also just one of those things you can tip the balance in your favor by just what is some creative thing you like to do and it can be anything right it can be yeah it can be drawing making sculptures it can be even just talking right right talking to someone explaining things is is creative um and it can be in basically any medium um and you know I think most important of all, it's just fun. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, yeah, yeah. right? Like you just kick it with, with the boys on Saturday or whatever. Yeah. You just sit down and start drawing. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm kind of good at this. Yeah. Or or making music or whatever, right? Yeah, it's yeah. like, I think I think that's just something, again, it's it's like this balance. I, I wonder, in fact, how many people are going around suffering from the consequences of not having a creative outlet and they don't realize that's why, you know? Hmm. So... The last thing I want to mention, we we talked about this a little bit in the Financial Freedom Podcast uh, in the episode. We talked about, you know, having self-determined goals versus externally determined goals. And I think this is another example of, in terms of your lifestyle, if you're just consuming, right? If you're basically letting other people dictate, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to live. This is what I'm supposed to want. And you go with that. That's that works for very few people, I think. Right? That, right, that usually leads to some kind of a dead end. Whereas the creator mindset there is that you actually figure out for yourself what do I want with my life and how do I make that happen, regardless of what other people think is normal or good or, or expect of me. Right, which is also it's the same kind of thing, and it, I think it also shows this example shows that being the creator taking a creative mindset there's always it's challenging and it can even feel scary it's always easier to to let yourself go with the flow and be a consumer and not you know not upset anyone not rock the boat like being a creator puts you in that situation where you're like oh i have to make my own decisions maybe other people disagree with me what if i'm wrong you know because it's much easier if we think about lifestyle and goals and stuff like that. It's much easier to let those things be dictated to you and then complain about it, you know, yeah. and say, "Ah, oh, it's just so unfair." Nah, nah, nah. Because then it's someone else's fault. What if you make up your own mind, you make your own decisions, and, and you make a mistake? 
and you can't blame anyone else. It's just you. It was you, right? The failure, <laughs> the embarrassment. <laughs> right. And that's also something we want to avoid. I think that's yeah. one of the reasons why we shy away from stepping into the, the, the creator role. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's scary, right? You, yeah. you were saying, I'm in charge. I'm the captain now. <laughs> That's what, essentially yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. yeah, and I think that is actually always the case. Um, if you're really, if you're taking responsibility and you're being creative, it never feels entirely safe. And conversely, if something feels totally safe and stable, then it's not real. Hmm. <laughs> because oh, I also want to say one thing about you know, especially when it comes to something like the medical example or really anything we talked about. <laughs> What, what I'm very much not talking about is just jumping into a different tribal group think. Because you might have that, you know, where someone says, oh, whatever, you have some health issue. And the doctor says one thing and says, oh, you have to take this antibiotic or whatever. And then you, quote unquote, do your own research on some Facebook mom group. And you come to the conclusion, oh, my God, this is all a conspiracy Big pharma is trying to control the population and implant chips into everyone. And what you really need to do is you need to drink this herbal tea and rub this crystal crystal on your stomach, right? I've done my own research. I'm not a sheeple. Um, <laughs> but what you've really done is you've just jumped from one paradigm that feels safe and stable. You've jumped out of it into another paradigm that feels safe and stable. And suddenly you understand everything about the world, right? I've seen the truth and these right. people, are, and I'm part of this tribe and we all agree. And you know, it's always us versus them, right? This is the enemy and we're the good people. And it's like, no, that's just, a, you're just a consumer of something else now, right? So hmm. before you were consuming the one thing, you decided to become a consumer of something else. You immediately got your identity wrapped up into it, right? You're now one of those, you know, you, you identify, oh, I'm an anti-vaxxer mom or whatever, right? It's like, that's not creative. That's not creative at all. People like to think that, oh, it's, I'm doing my own thinking. No, you're not doing your own thinking. You're, all, you're literally standing in a group. Everyone's chanting, I'm doing my own thinking in unison, right? That's not what your own thinking looks like. And you, you basically just immediately jump into a paradigm where you start defending the tribal norms, right? And I think th this is a trap that people can fall into where, again, it's this weird thing where it feels like you're taking responsibility. It feels like you're doing your own thinking, but you found a way to do it without doing either of those things. I think that's the best case scenario for whoever's, whoever's essentially benefiting off this, right? Oh. Of course, if, yeah. If you feel like you're actually doing the thing without having to put in any effort, yes. win, fucking win. Yes. Right, at least for that person. And a lot of this, and also on this note, unfortunately, right, if we think about the, the digital environment that we're in, a lot of this has been almost weaponized. I mean, there are groups, there are these ideological groups that, are, that were created as a marketing thing, you know, where someone goes, oh, this, it's easy to get people you know, you, you paint one of these us versus them pictures yeah. and you post all the, all the memes and stuff. And you, it's just someone's doing that. They're not even believing in this shit. Someone's doing that because they're like, oh, this works. I can get people's attention and I can put my affiliate links and shit and it makes money, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that's something to guard against. But again, I think the indication there is, like I said before, or like you said, you know, if it's too easy, it's probably not real. Yeah. And if it's, um, yeah, if it feels like safe and stable, if it doesn't feel unstable and kind of risky, 
that means you're still not walking on your own. That means you're still not taking yeah. real responsibility. Yeah, I think like the way society is built, right? Like it is built to give everyone a chance, right? Mm -hmm. And when we're walking around the world, we're generally not thinking, oh, I could get killed by a tiger right now or something. Mm -hmm. But like in principle, <clears throat> excuse me, the real world hasn't changed, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're walking your own path, there are those dangers there. But if you're walking the path that's like, hey, here's the nice paved road. Mm -hmm. There's no tiger here, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's that aspect of it as well when you go on your own way. And you know, one thing we didn't even discuss, and I kind of want to pick your brain on this. Mm. So the effect of this kind of tech, the addictive tech and all these feeds and stuff on like social discourse. Now we don't have to go too deep into, mm -hmm. into it because that could be an entire topic on its own, right? So one of the things I was thinking, like, imagine I'm scrolling through whatever app, right? Mm -hmm. And I suddenly come across something that I disagree with. Like, and I look at it, I'm like, oh, screw this app. And I leave. Right. So they automatically don't have incentive to show me things that I disagree with, right? They have incentive to, basically, what we tend to find, again, the machine that tries to keep you hooked, it will show you things that you disagree with, but it will show you things that you dis disagree with in an unchallenging way. So this, you can see this in, uh, people sort themselves into all these opposing groups, right? So uh, take liberals and conservatives. It's like if you are, let's say you're a conservative and you have a conservative feed, you will be shown liberal stuff, but you will always be shown it as, look at this extremely idiotic thing that the other side is doing, you know? Look at the stupidest thing that someone you disagree with has said. So yes, it does make you angry because anger keeps you there, but it doesn't show you, hey, here's a nuanced opinion by someone on the other side that might make you question what you believe. No, mm. that is not going to show up in your feed. What's going to show up in your feed is the dumbest person on the other side and the dumbest thing they said that week. So you see that and you go, oh, can you, can you believe what these liberals are doing, right? These people are crazy. Yeah. yeah. That okay. keeps you engaged. And again, it feeds you this illusion where you think, no, no, I'm seeing both sides, right? I'm seeing both sides. No, you're not seeing both sides. You're seeing an extremely curated version of both sides that has almost no correspondence to reality. Hmm. Okay. And I guess like the way that shapes our minds is like, at some point you lose the ability. Do you remember when people used to say, hey, let's just agree to disagree here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, I think that, again, the, and I had this too, listen, I had this too, right? When it comes to politics, for example, I did have a phase where I was basically, I just had liberal worldviews and I felt very much, and I was much younger, right? I'm embarrassed to say this now, looking back, right? But I felt very much like the, the liberal, you know, more or less the, the mainstream liberal worldview is simply correct and people who are who don't agree with it must be stupid. That's mm. basically what I believed, right? So I was in that bubble, okay? And what you sometimes see is that people switch bubbles. I was like, oh no, now I'm a diehard conservative. Right. So I wanna make that clear, no, I'm not. I'm very proud of the fact that no matter what your political leaning is, I will say something that will piss you off within five minutes of talking to me, okay? Uh, I am not here to dis I'm not here to to agree with people. I'm not here to join anyone's club. Okay, that that's very important to me. Um, but like that view, the reason I'm saying this is I know what that feels like. Where you go, 
these other people must be idiots, right? It's so obvious. It's so obvious that I'm right. See, this is lulling you. This is like, it's giving, it's lulling you into complacency. It mm. feels so easy, so obvious, right? All the, all the world's problems would be solved if people just agreed with me. Listen, reality is never that simple. It is never that simple. I love, this is like Ben Goldacre's, you know, catch line basically is, I think you'll find it's a little more complicated than that. <laughs> Whenever you, and this is such a clear indicator, and here, here's an example of something you don't want to hear, okay? So this is probably never going to be on your feet. <laughs> so if you are in any one of these ideological groups, if it seems to you that things are pretty obvious, you know right from wrong, you know, you can look around and be like, the people in my group, they're right. We know the answers to these things. The people on the other side are obviously wrong. That is a sign that you are deluded. Reality is more complicated than that. Damn, just drop the mic on that one. <laughs> and you know, on the liberal thing, like my understanding of it, you know, when I was much younger, the idea was live and let live. Mm -hmm. It, I don't know how true it is anymore, but it does seem like they have strayed from that. Oh, I think that's, that's mostly an illusion. I think that what happens online, so if we stay with the, the political spectrum, right. I think that in reality, most people basically want the same things. Most mm. people want you know, peace and prosperity and freedom. And there's disagreement about how to do that. Okay. And so, and one of the things that is generally, you know, liberals versus conservatives are liberals are like, well, the government should step in and ensure that everybody has peace and prosperity and happiness and whatever and freedom. Whereas conservatives are more like, well, maybe the government should just get out of the way and let us be happy and at peace. Right. And, and, the, the further you go into the extremes, the more deluded it becomes. Because if you go a bit further right, a bit further left, people on the one side will say the ideal solution is just no government ever, right? Mm. The solution to every problem is government out of the way. And on the other, which is obviously retarded, yeah, right? Yeah. But no. <laughs> um, um, on the other side, right, on the other extreme, it's kind of the same thing. Oh, we need to control everything. We need everything should be somehow regulated. Maybe even the government should own everything, right? Marxism also pretty dumb idea. So <laughs> it's clearly none of those things, right? But I think that that what happens, right? You're saying, oh, the, we've drifted away from that. The majority of people in the real world agree about most things and d disagree about some of the ways and how to get there. Right. But what happens online is that the loudest, most extreme voices yeah. get amplified and so what it seems like it's an absolute clown show it seems like everyone on the left is a you know non-gendered uh trans activist with pink hair and tattoos and piercings who is shouting something in a protest and something stupid basically in a protest right, right? and everyone on the right is a nazi who right. who's like oh you know i really miss hitler and th that's the picture you get, but that is an illusion. That's an illusion that's created in order to keep you consuming, right? That's, that's simply, um, again, that's, that's engagement optimization mm. because someone's nuanced take takes too much brain power to engage with, doesn't keep you lulled in the scrolling, 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 but angry 
and again, I'm just talking about liberals and conservatives because that's just one of the examples. It yeah, could yeah. also be vegans versus keto. It could, could be, be anything, whatever. Yeah. But you know, angry person shouts extreme stuff about X is attention grabbing. So that yeah. gets played. And remember, algorithms program people. Because that gets more reach, that gets more play, the people who do the creating then start creating more of that stuff. I was just going to say that, yeah. Yeah. And so this is this is a fabrication, right? The, and I'm not saying that it doesn't result in a real-world drift of people drifting further apart. I think that does happen. Right. But again, it's a fabrication. It's an illusion that you think this is something that's happening in the real world. And the media that I consume is reporting on what's happening in the real world in a neutral way that's not happening oh yeah i don't think that was ever happening yeah let's be honest yeah. right but it's just never been as amplified as it is now right it's never been as extreme yeah. as it is now it's on it's on steroids right now yeah it's freaking amazing okay there was another point okay the other thing i wanted to ask you about was like the effect of tech and communication right mm. so for example like if I'm like the left dude, you're the right guy, right? And you're always posting stuff. And I'm like, oh man, block. Mm -hmm. Like I never have to see, like Shane does no, no longer exist to me now, right? Yeah. But if that was in person, if we're like, we work it together every day. Yeah. And every day you're like, you know what? Shout out to my boy Hitler. <laughs> and I'm like, what is, what is this guy saying? There's no real life block button, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's also like in real life, things tend to not escalate like that. You know, because in real life, like if you have, if you're a liberal and you have a conservative work colleague, without the influence of, of all this, all this algorithmic stuff, if you just have a conversation with each, with each other, you probably realize how much common ground you have. Hmm. And that's also, if you have an empathetic relation um, or conversation with each other, you'll probably find common ground. And that's, um, I can't remember the guy, there's, there's a guy who did this, basically a black man who had conversations with Ku Klux Klan, Ku Klux oh, yeah. Klan people. I know who you're talking about. I forget the name. Yeah. So we'll have to, we'll have to put that in the source, but he basically, by just having empathetic conversations with them, uh, converts, <laughs> basically converts yeah. people, right? So even at that extreme end, I think the, the shared humanity, it's almost like the, the question is how far removed are you from your shared humanity? Yeah. Good point. And I think, uh, like, I remember that story. He met up with the KKK leader, right? Mm -hmm. And I don't know what happened, like, oh, yeah, someone or there was a car going by or something and like the exhaust fired really hard. Mm. And they both thought that one yeah, of their people was about to shooting, shoot. Yeah. And they both like, and they started laughing at the fact that they had the exact same reaction. Yeah. yeah. I hope I didn't butcher it, but it was something to that effect. Yeah, yeah. So we'll put that in the, we'll put that in the show notes because that's, that's a really good thing to look into. But to conclude all this, like all of this conversation, what I'm trying to do and again, if you're a long-time listener, you've heard me talk about this before. So I'm trying to empower people. So I'm never interested. I'm not here to tell you to believe a certain thing, you know. And th this is why also I'm always trying to use neutral examples, you know. Mm. I'm always trying to argue both sides. If I, I, I'm always trying to talk about it in such a way that I'm not saying, well, me, as a, da, 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 yeah, I think this right, is the yeah. case, right? Um, I, I hope that people don't know where I stand on most things. Yeah. Because really, I want to encourage you i basically want to give you that nudge it's like okay this is a little uncomfortable right it's a little uncomfortable to step outside of the bubble to take responsibility to do your own thinking to turn off the feed to do more creation but it is massively empowering and so 
that's what I'm trying to do with, with these kinds of conversations, with these kinds of content. I'm basically trying to nudge you into that discomfort zone because I know how good it is on the other side of that discomfort. Right. Also, I don't think your identity is tied into any one of these ideas, right? Absolutely not, yeah. no. Because for me, that's a, that's a red flag, you know? Yeah. If you see me go around identifying as something, as some ism or something like that, right. that's a red flag. All right. Well, I'll keep that in mind for whenever <laughs> yeah. I see that slow, yeah. you know, descent happening. Yeah. <laughs> right. Anyways, so consumer versus creator mode, you know, the mindset. Oh, one question I had for you. Actually, would it be a good gauge? So, for example, let's say, you know, I'm doing my thing and walking around and I stop and I ask myself, okay, am I in consumer mode right now or am I in creator mode right now? Yeah. Right. I think that's a great way to like snap yourself out of whichever one you're in. Totally. And you could even you could even set like random alarms, right? You could you can probably get an app for that that will just notify you like, I don't know, three times a day at random intervals. Just, mm -hmm. Are you in consumer or creator mode right now? Um, which I would challenge people to do. And yeah, and same even here, you know, this is also an opportunity to engage with what we talked about. I hope that some of what we talked about here has been challenging to you. I hope that some of this makes you go, right, what's yeah. going on here? Um, and I also invite everyone to creatively engage with this, like leave a comment. Tell me if you disagree with something. Tell me if you see a flaw in my thinking or my logic, which is also, by the way, something I always want to know, right? Because I'm trying to learn. Um, you can also, by the way, leave a voice message. You can go to anchor.fm forward slash Icario. And there's a message button there you can hit and you can record a voice message. So that's my invitation for you to creatively engage with this. Send in a question, send us a challenge, disagree with us, anything. This is your opportunity to like, take this to the next step, become a creator from the consuming you've just done. And I'd love to hear from you.